Hello, church family, and welcome to our online service. Man, what a time to be alive, right? And it's been quite a week for us just figuring out what Sunday was going to look like. But here we are, and uh, I know many of you, you've been navigating difficult circumstances in your own life with all the disruption that's going on. And um, man, we're, we're so excited, though, to be here today with you. And, and I wanted to make sure to reiterate that Pastor Mark, man, he really wanted to be at church, all of us here together. He loves you guys so, so much. And uh, man, I want to give a shout out uh, to my friend Taylor. Uh, he is uh, just such an awesome guy, and he really helped me brainstorm of what we were going to do this morning. So I love you, Taylor. It's good. It, it, man, it's, it really helps to know good people, right? Come on, somebody. All right, so man, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 10 says this, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. See, we're not a church service. We're a church with a service. And the kingdom of God isn't shrieking back during this time. It's advancing And I believe there's a great opportunity for us as the church to preach the gospel, to to advance the kingdom of God. These developments with the coronavirus are disrupting our lives. But maybe we should allow this disruption uh, to draw us closer to God because we need to hear his voice like never before. And so I know this, the coronavirus wouldn't have stopped the Apostle Paul. Man, from jail, Paul was encouraging local churches Right, man, with letters he was writing and and man, he even uh, uh, got his jailer saved. Right. And so, man, Paul knew that this world was going to be messy. His eyes were fixed on Jesus and nothing, no sickness, no thorn in his flesh, uh, no fear of death or imprisonment was going to get in his way of preaching the gospel. And so the methods may change, but the message is the same, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, He's our savior He's our communion with the Father. And if you believe me, I want you to go ahead and take a five-second praise break right now and just worship the Lord. Uh, Go ahead and thank God for all His goodness right there in your living room where you're watching. Amen. Go ahead and let your neighbors know we have in church today, right? And, uh, man, if you heard some claps, uh, I've got a few leaders here, uh, some of our staff uh, to, to be here um, during this message time so that I wasn't just preaching to a camera, right? And so if you hear anything, that's them. Uh, so we've been in this collection of teachings we're calling Words to Live By. In this series, we're taking a look at the seven statements that Jesus makes while on the cross. And I love the message paraphrase of Hebrews 12, 2-3. It says this, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished... This site, who both began and finished this race we're in, study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline right into your souls. I don't know about you, but I could definitely use some adrenaline right into my soul. Amen. And so we've already studied statements one through three. 
So today we're going to look at statement number four, found in either Matthew 26, 27, uh, verse 46, or, or Mark chapter 15, verse 34. And so it says this, About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of you parents who have been helping your kids with distance learning this week have already asked this very question, right? My God, my God, why have you left me with this math right here? All I know is carry the one, right? And so, uh, man, but seriously, this question, it touches on something deep. It's the question of why. Why does it have to be this way? Why me? All of us at different times have questions for God And many of us have questions for God about what's going on in the world right now. Maybe you've had questions so big, so complicated, that those questions made you question God. Maybe experiences and circumstances in life have left you feeling forsaken. It's my hope that today you would know that you're not alone. That you would know that God is with you. And he's for you. And you can trust him. See, this question that Jesus makes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, Man, it's really unsettling in some ways, right? Martin Luther is said to have uh, sat reading this verse over and over and over again and just sort of staring at it. And then he finally got up and and, uh, after he got up, he just said, God forsaken by God, who can understand it? And I love this question uh, because, man... Jesus gives us permission in our times of uncertainty to ask our own why. Um, Why did it have to be this way? I don't fully understand what Jesus was going through, but I relate with asking why. And I bet you can too. Why did my family member have to pass away? Why am I going through this pain? Why is our world being affected by all the things? Why? See, when you're in the middle of the why, it can feel impossible to think about the how to step forward. Taking another step is scary because what if my next step is even worse than my last? I don't want to move forward. I'm, I'm afraid of what's to come, right? And so we all have tough questions. And I really believe that Jesus helps us to see that we can aim our tough questions right at God. And if our questions are too big for God, how big is our God? See, I think sometimes as Christians, we take God and we put him in this neat little box because, you know, we want everything in life to make sense, uh, to feel safe, right? Uh, We want to feel in control. And that's nice and cute and all, but, I mean, God is way bigger than any box we could try to put him in. And life has a way of coming up with some really big tough questions that just bust our little box wide open. Man, it can cause us to doubt, cause us to be afraid, uh, maybe even turn from God. But what I want you to hear is that the why, the questions, the forsaken feeling, it's an opportunity to drive you into a deeper understanding of who God really is. The enemy of our soul loves using moments of loneliness and hurt to hold you back from the potential and purpose God has for your life. But even in your greatest agony, 
in, in the moment where you feel most defeated, most forsaken, most alone, God is with you. He's not waiting for your strength to rise above your feelings of fear and abandonment. And faith is going to rise inside of you as you bring your why to Him and acknowledge, God, I need you. Just as we were singing in worship, God, I need you, I need you. Oh, how I need you. As faith rises, the feelings will follow. Now, I don't think it's an accident that this statement is the middle statement in the seven that are recorded in Scripture. And, you know, I don't even think it's an accident that we're talking about it today in the middle of all that's going on right now. I mean, it was a little bit, when I, when I thought about, you know, we, we decided a month ago uh, that I would preach this question. And preparing for it, as I got closer and closer to Sunday, I said, wow, my God, my God, why have you forsaken us, you know? And so um, none of this is, is, is sort of lost on me, but, you know, we've already gone through the first three, and those are really looking at people. And uh, if you know the first three, we've got Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, you have Jesus, you know, looking to, he say, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. We've got salvation. And, and, then, and then the one we looked at last week, Mother, here is your son, son, here is your mother. And uh, we see Jesus giving an example from the cross about how to care for one another. But then we get to this fourth statement with three more to come. And by the time Jesus cries out, my God, my God, there's been a change. Scripture says that at noon, all of a sudden, everything went dark. Jesus had been hanging on the cross since about nine. Now darkness is all around. And as Jesus is taking on the sins of the world, no light at the end of his life, he utters this cry, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? In the middle of our darkest moments, it's often when our most honest questions come forth. In desperation, we cry out, why? So is that it? Are we just left with an open-ended why? I mean, how do we unpack this question and unpack uh, this scripture? Well, you know, I was talking with my aunt uh, this week. And uh, who, by the way, is working hours, uh, long hours at our hospital. And I'm so thankful for her and many others who are really, um, you know, on the front lines uh, with what's going on. And, uh, you know, I was talking to her about what I was going to be preaching about and, and uh, about how, you know, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just how interesting, interesting that verse is. And as soon as I said it, you know, she said, oh, I just read about this in a Bible study I'm doing. Jesus was quoting Psalm 22. I said, that's right. Man, Jesus was, and so we just started uh, into a conversation about, you know, man, how he was fulfilling uh, a, uh, a prophecy um, in this psalm and just how from the cross Jesus is using scripture to draw us to him. And so, man, Jesus, even in his agony and pain, in his darkest moment, he's directing people back to scripture. And I just love it, man. Jesus is reciting Psalm 22, verse 1, uh, which was originally an agonizing prayer from David. And I believe Jesus is pointing us towards a psalm that, man, it not only prophesies about his crucifixion, but it gives us understanding of how to approach feeling forsaken. And so in Psalm 22, verses 1 through 2, we hear David say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David goes on to say, why are you so far from saving me, 
so far from my cries of anguish. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I wonder if you can relate. We hear David encountering the most intense suffering God's servant can know, right? It's not just that there's enemies surrounding him, which this psalm talks about, and that his body is in dreadful pain, which this psalm also goes into. Um, But it's that David feels that God does not hear him and that God does not care about his suffering and that this is not just... um, Man, and this is not just uh, an experience that's exclusive to David, right? This is something that I think we can all relate with. Man, God, it feels like, stands idly by when we're in our moment of distress. But yet, even in David's extreme distress, he doesn't lose faith or fall into complete hopelessness. I want us to catch this. His anguish leads him into prayer, and the first words of the prayer are, my God. And how neat is that? That he, he, even in his suffering, wondering about the ways of God, he does not let go of his knowledge that God is his God. In the midst of his anguish, man, he's talking faith. And in verses 4 through 5, man, David remembers God's past faithfulness to Israel when he says, In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. David brings to memory God's faithfulness in the past. And he's saying, man, if he did it then... He'll do it again. So, man, feeling forsaken, it's not exclusive to Jesus and it's not exclusive to David either. It's a common occurrence for for you and for I. And Jesus knew this psalm and quoted its first words to identify with us in our suffering. Because let's face it, Jesus bore our agony and suffering on the cross. He took it all upon himself. And so whatever we feel, he's felt. Hebrews 2, 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Man, in the second part of this psalm, I love it. The mood and tone changed dramatically. Agonized prayer turns to ardent praise. The psalmist comes to be filled with praise and says, man, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. So why does Jesus cry out Psalm 22, right? What can we glean from Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, this isn't a question that I believe is wanting a theological response. Uh, This is a cry from Jesus, and in using the words of Psalm 22, I think it shows that as horrible as this moment was, everything was going all according to plan. Scripture was being fulfilled. God's sovereign plan was in motion. Jesus is declaring that the pain of the cross, by reciting Psalm 22, um, that man, but he is also giving us a hopeful nudge towards the inevitable end of this same psalm. He's enduring justice, right? That's the beginning of Psalm 22. And at the same time, man, he's dispensing grace at the end of Psalm 22. And so Jesus is, is he's wiping out our debt 
and, he, and he's extending eternal life. Uh, through his death and his resurrection, Jesus has, has experienced transformation. And here's the truth that you need to hear. In Jesus Christ, we are transformed as well. So Psalm 22 begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it ends, the generation to come will be told of the Lord that they may, ha- that they may proclaim to a people yet unborn the deliverance you have brought. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes I begin here and I start in this moment of doubt. And it's easy to stay here. And I believe that Jesus knew that it would be easy for his followers to stay in this moment of agony, um, especially watching him go through everything he went through. But I think, man, Jesus was experiencing real darkness and real pain. And so, but the scriptures inside of him. So what comes out in this moment is he recites this prayer that David prayed. And I just think it's so beautiful that, man, in, in, in the middle um, statement that we have, in the middle that everything's going on, Jesus is kind of, he, he's, he's saying this prayer, but he's also giving us this opportunity uh, to, to take a deep dive into Psalm 22 because those around would have said, wait, he, he just, that, that's David's prayer. That's Psalm 22, right? Well, they didn't call it Psalm 22. But, you know, that, that's, the, that's David's prayer. And so, man, you go and you look at this psalm and you see that, yeah, David, man, why, God, why have you forsaken me? But, man, at the end, to the generation to come, man, they will be told of the Lord that they may proclaim to a people yet on board the deliverance you have brought. So there's two things that I just think we need to trust in light of all that we've gone through. And it may be hard, but we need to trust who God is. We have to trust and remind ourselves of his nature. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God is our compassionate Father. He is love. He is our comfort. And life may be a storm all around me, but I just want to go ahead and say, man, I'm not jumping ship. My, my boat may be tossing to and fro, but I'm staying in the boat. I'm going to trust in the character of God and trust that God is who he says he is. So we got to trust that, man, God is who he says he is. And secondly, we got to trust what God says. We have to trust in the promises of God. Second Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Jesus promises his disciples when he says, Hey, in this world, you're going to have troubles, but take heart. I've overcome, right? So, man, there's these promises in scriptures that we can all stand on, that we can all choose to believe, um, that we can all, um, you know, proclaim that, man, God, you you are with me. You're an ever-present help in my time of need. Man, you haven't left me forsaken. And so, you know, we got to trust who God is. We got to trust what God says. And we got to trust that God will bring us through. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. God will bring us through. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good 
of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Man, I don't know about you, but there's these times where I feel struck down. I feel like I've, you know, just been pressed on every side. But it's so important to know that, man, we, we, we may feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm up against the ropes right now, right? Uh, that, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm Rocky Balboa. You know what I mean? I've been taking hit after hit after hit. And, and, and then all of a sudden, man, when we begin to, to take this moment of suffering, this moment of agony, this moment of pain that we may be in, that we're experiencing, and realize that our Savior Jesus Christ experienced this along with us, we begin taking that and t- turning it into a prayer and offering up in praise and begin praising God and thanking Him, believing who God is, believing what God has said, and believing that He will bring us through. I just believe that, man, it's in those moments where we begin to have a comeback. And I believe it for you that in these moments we can bounce back. We can stay in the game. We can keep running the race. We can keep pressing on. Amen. I need eight or nine people right now where you're at to go ahead and stand up. Just go ahead and proclaim that I'm not giving up. I'm not bowing down. I'm going to keep going. In my moment of suffering, in my moment of pain, I'm just going to go ahead and say, man, God, I don't understand it. I, I, I can't explain it. But you know what? I believe, God, that you're in it. And there must be something in it for me. And I believe, man, that, that there's good in it. And that, man, God, you promised that you'll work everything together for my good. We turn our agony into hope-filled praise. We don't ignore the facts of life. We confront them. And by God's grace, through the transforming work of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we choose faith. We choose to trust. We press on. And we choose to believe. I want to pray right now for people who are maybe feeling forsaken. And uh, I just want to say a prayer for those who are feeling, man, like alone. You feel struck down. You're in despair. You maybe feel like God has forsaken you. And uh, if that's you right now, I just want you to bow your head, close your eyes. I want to say this prayer for you. Heavenly Father, God, you are the source of all comfort. You're the father of compassion. God, we thank you that in our times of distress and need, Lord, you comfort us. You bring peace in the midst of the storm. So God, as we may feel alone, we choose to believe who you are, what you've said, and that you're faithful to bring us through. Lord, for those who are, who are feeling this way, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them would surround them. I pray that they would feel your love, God, in a mighty, powerful way. And I pray, Lord, that they would choose to reach out to someone around them, that they would be loved on by a brother or a sister. Thank you for doing it, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. I also want to pray for another group of people. You may have been hearing this message, and you're like, man, I felt forsaken. And, and man, I to be honest, I turned my back on God a long time ago, and and you may have just made it to this, uh, to this message right here and, and you've stuck all this way. And, and I just want to give an opportunity for those, man, maybe you're watching this and you haven't given your life to Jesus. And maybe you've been battling all the forsakenness, all the despair, all the difficulties of life, all the big questions, and you've been doing it in your own strength. But I think now's the opportunity where you get a chance to say, God, I trust you. 
God, I, I believe in you. I, I maybe don't have it all figured out. I don't quite understand it, but I'm going to take my next step, which is choosing to say, God, I need you. And so if that's you right now, if, if, if you want to give your life to God for the first time, or maybe you've turned your back on God and, and, and you're ready to rededicate your life to Jesus, trusting him, trusting the work that he did on the cross is sufficient for you in your life for the forgiveness of your sin. Here's what I want you to do. Just right where you're at, I want you to just go ahead and stand up. Stand up right where you're at. And now pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I need you. I choose to trust you right now. I put my hope in you. And God, I don't understand. I don't have it all figured out. But I place my faith in you. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, come live on the inside of me. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me of my sin. I give my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, if you, I just want to know if you prayed that prayer, our church would love to hear you can comment below, you can message us, email us, visit christianrenewal.org. We'd love to help you in your journey and help you take next, next steps um, in figuring out this whole faith thing and this whole journey with Christ. I mean, church, we love you today, and, and, and we don't know what's, what's coming up or what's going to come in the weeks to come, but man, how awesome was this today? How fun that we get to lean into this. I can't wait to hear uh, from all of you guys. And I'm going to go ahead and invite Pastor Mark back up. Uh, because you know we're going to close with a blessing. Amen? So come on up, Pastor Mark. Amen. Wow. Wow. What, an, what a timely message. And you know, it's amazing that in such uncertain times, we can certainly trust in a God that's above it all, that's created it all, and that's aware of it all. And He's aware of you. And I just want to bless you right now. If you would, just open your hands and receive from Him. Father God, You're the Creator of the universe. You commanded blessing to be spoken over Your people that your name might be placed on them, and you in turn would do the blessing. And so I say to every one of you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift the light of His countenance on you and give you His peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We love you, and we look forward to seeing you. Love you all.